You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We got Nick Denning from At The Hive with us in just a little bit to discuss his lineup thoughts. The Hornets unveil a new court for next season. Going to try to get Peak Willie on next week to talk about that. But the new court, it's fire. We've all seen it before. I can't wait for us to see the Hornets finally play on that court. And Tony Parker gave us some insight into what made the Spurs such a great franchise. Can Borrego and Tony Parker, can they bring some of that to Charlotte? He wrote an article in the Players' Tribune where he talked about his experience with the San Antonio Spurs. For all that on the dock today, make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. We'll head to the guest line now and welcome Nick Denning to the show. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Denning or Interzeller, and you can find him that way as well. Nick, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing? It feels good to be back after what feels like many months away. We haven't had you on the show when I've done it. Right. Thank you no, for the, the mug show. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been told that yeah. you would constantly, anytime you would come in, you would bring a nice yeah. mug. And they're always random, I'm guessing. So you want to explain yeah. this mug to us? Yeah. So this, I found this in my last apartment when I moved in. <laughs> <laughs> so you just found it. Nice. <laughs> it's nice. a picture of what looks like a very, you know, quaint countryside village in in europe that is an 8-bit graphic uh, mug right there it looks beautiful yeah so <laughs> it's it's what i drink Lacroix out of so oh you know, boy here we go wait 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold, hold up hold this up, hold is up. why we don't have this guy hold, back hold on up, the show hold up. Lacroix. you he, please tell LaCroix, me you're not he's one, a Lacroix boy <laughs> you are not a, nick it, you are not one of those Lacroix people look look yeah, Lacroix boys. I, I, very recent up, up it's a very recent thing i was out at a wedding in denver or no boulder and it was like a hundred degrees and I was fighting a cold and somebody and I needed something to drink and somebody just passed me a LaCroix and it was a lifesaver. You and didn't so die? Then, I'd have died. I didn't, no, I it, it improved my health. I, I felt like, you know, it the the spiritual qualities of the carbonation and you know it Nick, I mean it's, Nick, it's it just Nick, worked for you. Nick. It just worked. Do me yeah. a favor. When we when you get off here, Google the placebo effect. That's what oh, I wow. need you to do. <laughs> Not as not has always been a critic of any type of food that I eat. I've gotten blamed for eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Even dabbled at a lunchable the other day, and I got criticized for that. I've been called an uncultured savage a million times on this show. Yes, now, I think you like are. he's kind of indirectly calling you an uncultured savage for drinking that's, some that's Lacroix. Okay. That's just that's how okay. Nada is. Now so, let's get to your article. <laughs> let's get to your article, Nick. Uh, you write at the Hive, and you wrote your last piece for. Um, about the starting lineup, and you're going to be looking into each of the different kind of rotations that Borrego could have at his disposal. But first, you looked at the starting lineup, and you mentioned the guys that you listed that you think would be starting game one would be Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb at the two, Nick Batum at the three, Marvin Williams at the four, and Cody Zeller at the five. First thing I noticed immediately when I looked at this, just with all of the talk about Malik Monk and, of course, Batum going to the three, I thought Malik Monk might be that guy at the two. And you have Jeremy Lamb here, who had a, a very good season, was one of the few bright spots for the Hornets season last year. You have him in the starting lineup. Why Lamb over Monk uh, as soon as game one hits? I, well, I think with the experience kind of plays into this a little bit. Um, as much as I like Monk, and I did kind of consider him for that position, there's, you know, with Lamb coming off such a good year, with him entering a contract season, um, it just felt like a slightly better fit to at least go with him in the initial, you know, initial run of things. Um, 
you know, I know that Doug and I kind of debated this last season as to whether Lamb was better as a starter as a, as a, or off the bench. And I, you know, I was kind of in the, he should start ballpark, but I actually, you know, I felt Doug had the more compelling argument. Um, but I think this year Monk actually would better, would, would fit that Lamb role from last season. So you slide, you slide Lamb in, you add, um, a pretty decent outside shooter. He's not prolific by any stretch, but he certainly is a huge improvement over over MKG. The experience helps as well. The length helps. So, you know, I just think he checks a few more boxes in terms of, you know, a team that could win from the get-go than Monk does, at least initially. What is the guy that you're weakest on here? And I would imagine you take Kimba Walker out of this. So you have Jeremy right. Lamb, Nick Batu, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, all with some question marks as to have at least having a case to be the weakest. Do you have one that comes to mind? It's probably Marvin Williams only because I don't think at this point, even though they gave him this contract, I don't think at this point they were expecting him to probably still be starting. I think they would probably have hoped that one of Frank Kaminsky or somebody else would be playing, you know, in that role. Cause Marvin is a good low volume scorer. Like he's not, um, you know, he, he shot 41% last season, but that was taking fewer attempts. Now I still like it. It's great, but you know, I think he could actually be better suited playing kind of with the bench unit. If there was somebody that was, you know, uh, you know, much further ahead of him, you know, in terms of their progress, but at this point there's not. So, you know, Marvin's there by default, and if somebody such as Frank Kaminsky or you know maybe Miles Bridges, but I don't think he's ready for that position. Someone like that were to take take you know to sh- prove that hey you know I, I deserve maybe some a starting look, um, then maybe Marvin could get unseated. All right, then Nick, uh, dovetailing into that, where do you see Miles Bridges playing? Is he more of a three or is he more of a four for you right now? Well, you know, he what he he played some four in summer league, so he certainly it certainly looks like they want to you know see what he could do there. But I think probably from the outset he's at the three. I mean, I if you're gonna, I don't feel like they we've talked about this with rookies before. Like you don't want to put them in positions they're not fully comfortable with. And I feel like he's gonna be more comfortable starting as a three and then kind of work into maybe doing some you know some position or small ball four or whatever like that. Um, but I wouldn't don't make things complicated for him at the start. I mean, we know Frank Kaminsky can can do the job to a certain extent, you know, as the backup four, even if he wants to play more five um, and then just kind of let bridges grow into a bigger role as the season goes along. All right. One more thing. How secure do you see Cody Zeller's spot at, at the center position this year? I don't think it's, I don't think it's that like, it's not secure. I went with him because we, you know, he started before and he's, you know, he has, uh, he's shown he can be pretty capable, but I mean, you know, if, if, Willie starts to knock down a bunch of threes. If he's playing really well at a, you know, he's probably not going to play as many. Well, I don't know. He could, he probably won't play as many minutes, but I could see them actually getting a sort of nice balancing act going. Um, I mean, it's, it's too early to say, but you know, there's a, I, I wouldn't say Cody's spot is, is, is set. I mean, the cup checks already said there's going to be open competition for it. I'd expect Zeller to take it, but if injuries become an issue again, or if somebody else steps up from the bench, yeah, that's another guy that could uh, find a spot in jeopardy. Nick Denning at the Hive joining us now on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Nick, also just want to talk about Nick Batum for a second. James Borrego coming in, having a, a lot of good things to say about Nick Batum. Obviously, a lot of people not happy with him after getting paid a boatload of money, not exactly playing up to the contract. You know, you can have the argument about how much he means to this team, but certainly for the contract, the value of the money he's getting paid hasn't lived up to that billing. Does Borrego resurrect Batum? And maybe a better question would be, 
What should our expectations for him be, and what's the best case scenario for Nick Batum in 2018-2019? I mean, I think if he's playing well, we're going to care less about the contract. It'll still be an issue, but you know, all this talk about what him, is playing well to you, Nick? Like what? What? Like what numbers are you saying? What is he doing out there on the court to make us believe he's playing well? Well, you know, I think we've realized that he's not, he's probably not the second option that we hoped he would be. And so this kind of comes into like what Lamb can do. Like best case scenario for Lamb is he actually takes another step forward. Maybe he's the second leading scorer on the team. And I mean, you know, I wrote this in the article, but Batum could really benefit from having two or three other guys that he could, you know, really look for on the court. Now we know he likes playing with Zeller. We know he can make Kemba better. You know, if he can actually get a few more open shots for Lamb, you know, that, you know, getting him getting him involved as a playmaker first really like opens up other aspects for him. So even if he is, even if he drops back to the third scoring option, if he's averaging 13, 14 points a game, but he's shooting at a higher percentage, his assist numbers are a little bit up, he's just making a larger impact overall, even if the again the scoring numbers aren't as high. Um, it's still not justifiable for the contract, but it's it's probably winning basketball games. So I, I take that over, you know, individual performances, I guess, in terms of higher numbers. Right. And so now when you have this starting lineup that you've mentioned here, Walker, Lambatou, Marvin Zeller, you know, do you believe if everyone that stays healthy, that I guess the five that starts the year in particular, even if it's not your five, do you think they'll finish the year? And I, I know you have this one, but basically, do you think there's going to be a lot of interchanging parts at the starting five throughout the season? There could be. I mean, I, I wrote that the that the the five I went has has talent, but not like a, you know a huge amount of it. So, you know, there are certainly no one's spot is safe really outside of Kendall and probably Batum. I mean, I just like I can't. I mean, Batum I guess could play with the with the uh, but with the reserves. But you know, then the contract comes into play. Like you can't have your highest paid player as a seventh sixth man off the bench, right? So. Um, but Lamb spots up for, you know, considering that Lamb, Zeller, Marvin could all be displaced at some point, potentially. Um, I could see them moving, you know, shifting some parts around depending on matchups, depending on who's healthy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I'm sh- I, I bet we'll see a few different types of starting lineups this season. All right. And last question before we get you out of here, Nick, 35 and a half. That was the over under set for the Hornets by Vegas this season. What are you betting? You're going over or you're going under? under? Well, I mean, the the the. Sh- I think that sounds about right. What's what what felt like what was surprising to me was that's like the eighth highest, like that'd be the eighth in the East this season. I, I didn't, I mean, I know the East is not. I think it was know. them, Detroit, like maybe even the Hornets got pushed right. down to ninth with, uh, I think Detroit was like 37 and a half. So it's, it's okay. those two teams flirting with the eight. Playoffs. Well, that makes, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that makes some sense. I mean, I think I, I expect both teams seem equally kind of just, marginal not really i mean they have the i mean i know detroit has the has blake griffin so that kind of gives them an edge with having that kind of star there but um i mean it's going to come down to you know i think the one thing going in charlotte's favor is they probably are going to have a weak conference or weak division um mm-hmm. you know atlanta's going to be terrible miami could there's there's suggestions miami could take a step back um orlando is consistently a mess so that's three teams that you could rack up some extra wins against and washington's um, washington Washington's Washington, right? And they've, and they've played well historically against like in the past few seasons, even when they've been good. So yeah, I mean, I think the key, which, you know, separates them between 35 and maybe 40, 40 plus is whether, you know, is really how they perform in the division. 
All right, there you have it. Nick Denning joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Nick Denning, a part of At The Hive, just wrote about the starting five, also with his brand new country-looking mug. It Drink looks better. Drink better stuff, Nick. <laughs> Drinking LaCroix out of it. Again, you can find him on Twitter, at Nick Denning. Nick, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Once again, Nick Denning from At The Hive joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have podcasts on nearly every team in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports. Just search your podcast app for Locked On and your team to get more podcasts. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some of our thoughts on what Nick had to say. Also, we'll get to the Players' Tribune article from Tony Parker. Also, the 15th best Charlotte Hornet. 15th best Charlotte beer. We'll be back in a moment on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hornets just keep knocking the ball out of the park with these marketing schemes, man. Pete Quilly going to work. Again, hopefully we get him on Tuesday. I've been a fan of the jerseys. I know Doug and I at least want the purple jerseys. We'll see where we get on that front. But at least we have something revealed today that we can all agree on. And it's the court. The Hornets unveil the classic court that you once saw at the beloved Charlotte Coliseum with the honeycomb paint, the basketball free throw line surrounding that free throw line, and where basically the paint is in between the actual paint and the three-point line. That's the actual, you see the purple slash light blue slash teal, all those mix of colors in that side. And you have the Hornet at center court, the classic Hornet, with the butt swoosh. Butt swoosh going all the way out of bounds, sick court, and they're going to unveil it for at least a minimum of six games, I believe they said. So we could even see more of it. I'm a huge fan of this. I can't imagine any kind of Hornets fan that feels any kind of nostalgia does not feel this move that the Hornets marketing team just pulled off. Did they have to include the butt swoosh? We could have left Love that alone. Love the butt swoosh. I th- yes, I like the butt Love swoosh. Love the butt swoosh. It shows that he's flying to midcourt, and he just decided he likes it there. We, and he's we don't need the butt swoosh in 2018, I'm folks. not here to hate on anything about this court. Not a, I thought we agreed on this. I thought I we liked, liked it. I like the court. I don't like the butt swoosh. The butt swoosh brings it all together. Listen, I, I'm extremely nostalgic over that honeycomb paint, but the butt swoosh really brings <laughs> the two half courts together. Now it we were would. now we were looking. It really does. Now we were looking at. I'll put it on the ball. Different butt swooshes <laughs> and different courts, and a lot of people forget that there's actually a different court beyond this in between the classic one at the first realm, right? The first, I guess, release of it in the Charlotte Coliseum. There's actually a couple more floors that they instituted yes. before the Hornets actually left in 02. So we have this court right here, Doug. This is the newest one before they left, correct? This is the last one we ever saw. Is that I, right? be- I believe so. I, I don't have the exact date on this floor, but it looks very familiar. I went to the last regular season home game in which I obtained a did it, did it, beanie right. baby. What was an that? Eldon, an Eldon Campbell beanie baby. He's the 18th Hornet on my list, by the way. So <laughs> this court, this is probably my favorite one. The basketballs are better, right? The basketballs on the old classic court, they're like a five year old 
trying to draw a basketball for the first time. And so they got it right. But this one is where you're starting to maybe get third, fourth grade. You're starting to be make, like the basketball look like it's actually moving. I like that part about this. The classic court that we are going to see is the basketball in MS Paint. This one is the basketball in Photoshop. Right. This is a, yeah. a, a great Photoshop basketball that we're seeing here. And also the butt swoosh, it's different. He's got a little bit of the butt swoosh kind of breaking off, breaking off in three different parts. Butt swoosh flare. It, there is a, that is a flary butt swoosh. It is. And so I like it now. Very and, flary. Now there's another one in between the newest one that we had. I don't know if we have a picture of that, but... It also it has the kind of honeycomb court feel to it, where they got rid of it in the paint, if I'm not mistaken. It's an all purple butt swoosh. They experimented with the butt swoosh quite a bit, but they also have kind of a a honeycomb court without the honeycomb inside the paint. So that one was a court as well. But nonetheless, they could have brought any one of them back, and I would have been a huge fan. Props to the Charlotte Hornets team for doing that. Just get rid of the butt swoosh, please. <laughs> it's, Why? I just Why? like saying I just, the word Now butt swoosh, I'm curious what about the butt swoosh turned you off. Because you like it so much. <laughs> okay. That's Very exactly good. why. That's that's uh oh those those are my co-hosts man. But this <laughs> will be right there. this will be nice with the white unis and hopefully they bring back the purple unis next season. But okay. regardless, that's yeah. the only thing they have left to do to reach nostalgia, right? I mean, I believe that's because they brought back some of the old school jerseys. It's the purple jersey. I don't know what else they could do. They've had besides Hugh- suit up Zoe himself out there. They've had Super Hugo. They've had the Hugo that flies around the court and drops. Things. Do you remember the blimp? The, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the so, Hornet blimp so that would two, drop like Bojangles and Chick-fil-A gift cards. Right. They experimented with the blimp in the first season they returned. And then in the second season they were back, they they really unleashed the blimp. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen the blimp a lot since. I don't know what happened to the blimp, if the blimp is broken, if the blimp was dangerous, if uh, someone tampered with the blimp. But I haven't seen the blimp. It's I, probably a good thing. It's probably a good thing, but do you want to put out like an APB for this blimp, Doug? Do you want to? Yeah, we well, we're we're going to be talking to Pete Gwelly next week. We should ask him about the blimp. Write it down. Where the blimp at? Yeah, we yeah we, we <laughs> need the a blimp. blimp we need a blimp, Pete. Like we're we're not playing around no more. But the point being is that they've brought back a lot of this stuff that everybody has been asking for so much. I really don't know what else they could do to bring back. They brought back the court. They brought back the jerseys. I feel like we almost checked off all the boxes on Hornets nostalgia, except for one. Uh-oh. What's that? I bring back Larry Johnson. That guy's been nowhere to be found. There's some. I know there's some tension there. Is he like the Benny Anders of the Charlotte Hornets right now? Is that I don't understand that reference, to, but I'll... Well, Five Slamma Jamma. You ever seen that 30 for 30 where they're looking for Benny Anders, the constant, pretty much the entirety of the 30 for 30 where they can't find him? So he Jan- was part of Five Slamma Jamma. He they what? can't find him. Well, they they the whole... The whole, really, documentary is them talking to Kim Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and they're looking for Benny Anders because everybody talks about how that was the guy that everybody's most infatuated with yep. because he was such a spark off the bench, and then he got into the game, and he would, you know, part of definitely a a huge member of that team. So they basically spent the whole documentary looking for him, and they found him. They did find him. Eventually, and it was like Detroit? Was it in Michigan? Yeah, Something he, like he, that? He was deep undercover where he didn't want to be 
Why are we looking at Goldberg? Can you not? Don't preempt my... Oh, my gosh. You just blew the... Forget it. I'm not even going to do the joke now. Why, why are we looking at Goldberg? Sweep the leg. Because it's not, it's not on the screen yet. No one knows about, what you're talking how about. about this? And how about you this? just blew the joke. How about this? How about we... we I'm not going to show you these things anymore on your monitor. <laughs> we go to a read. Blow my joke. We go to a read. Is that two minutes in the penalty box? We go to a read. <laughs> we start talking about something else, and then we try to set you up for another joke. Is that cool? Can we? Can you set okay, that up right, again, or is it ruined for the rest of the show. Has he ruined it for the rest of time? Or is well, there any salvaging Well, it had to do this? with the five slam jamma thing because you were saying everyone was looking for him. I was then going to say that my favorite Mighty Duck was the goalie, Goldberg. Wait, that was Goldberg? Yes. And we re- Okay. That now, was that Goldberg. Hold on, hold on. Let me put it on the <laughs> wow. screen so the people on Twitter can see it. Yeah, if you haven't checked this out, go to TMZ and search Mighty Ducks. I am in complete shock that that's what he looks like. Right that's now. what Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks looks like now. No, they found him. so, Goldberg. Yeah, Goldberg. Yeah. Long. Yeah. Also, I think the last thing I've ever seen him in, it was an episode of King of Queens where he is the guy that – Carrie tries to make a complete gentleman when Doug doesn't show up to one of their dates and Goldberg still looked very much plump and happy and just like the normal Goldberg that we remember in Mighty Ducks and that is nowhere close. I thought that was a random dude. I thought we were going to pull up some crazy headline and I did not recognize that face. I don't know how you would unless you saw the guy. I saw the picture yesterday and I w- my my childhood died uh, right then and there. That is sad. That is completely sad. I want to move on. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get double entries into our contest and access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. Would Goldberg be the player from the Mighty Ducks that you would have guessed, the actor from the Mighty Ducks that you would have guessed would have the the tremendous fall? Uh, there's only one that I see listed in front of me right now that I would have gone with instead, and that's Danny Tamborelli. You know, I went to high school with the cousin of Danny Tamborelli. Ta- uh, Talked to Danny on the phone one time. That's my claim to fame. That is an awesome that claim is to an fame. Awesome that's quote. a great yeah. fact that we learned about you today. I'm very <laughs> excited about that. I was a big fan of Danny Tamborelli on All That. That was about my yeah. time. I was growing up. All That was a good show, and he was a big part of it. What was it that he did? Like, I think he did their version of Weekend Update as what that is to SNL. I feel yeah. like he did that. And maybe it was some advice that he gave. So Danny Tamborelli, that would have been the guy that I might have chosen over Goldberg. But maybe Goldberg is a, se- is a close second to who I would have No, Adam Banks is high up. How is Adam Banks not higher up on the list? Adam Banks. Go to Adam Banks if you don't mind. Like, like the dude that played Adam Banks, like he had that just rich Hampton snob that had – yeah, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I, I feel like, like he, he wasn't close to diving off the cliff, man. Like I felt like it wasn't that. I don't feel like it was that close. He was a kid gangster in in uh, RoboCop two. But these are all movies. Like I, I got to know these guys outside of what their actual roles were, and I felt like I had a grasp on Adam Boy, Goldberg. His IMDb and I guess I didn't. Picture is terrible. <laughs> Very. <laughs> we could we couldn't get anything good out of that. Um, one guy that has now transitioned into a different phase of his career is Tony Parker. Tony Parker in a very different way. Tony Parker now coming to the Charlotte Hornets after a long time with the San Antonio Spurs. 
And Tony wrote a piece on the Players Tribune. Always really cool to see these guys take a take a shot at writing something, and we always get to learn exactly what's going on in their head. Some of the stories that we've never heard before. So Tony Parker, maybe not giving us some stories we haven't heard before. Maybe he talks about his tryout that he had, his first one with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. But basically, he focuses on the winning culture that was the Spurs franchise. And a couple quotes we have here. The first one I'll get into: Winning was the most important thing. But what I will always remember and always be grateful for during those years is how even with those priorities, the emphasis on winning, somehow my development was never left behind. Pretty telling, pretty interesting considering he's on the Hornets team this year. You wonder how much that was talked about in in the conversation to bring Tony Parker to the Charlotte Hornets. Also knowing the fact that he gave up his starting spot for DeJounte Murray last season with the Spurs makes a lot of sense when you talk about this signing from that regard. Like, the big thing that I came away with when I read that quote is if that's the kind of culture that the Hornets are going to try and build here, I'm totally here for this. I'm here for here for this. I don't know how you can be. I mean, it's it's tough to argue with, Try, oh, you know, we're going to build a Spurs culture. No, I don't want that. Again, how, someone, how does anybody say no? So. Someone would say the Spurs culture, and I hate to, again, and it leads into one of the other quotes, the Spurs culture was Tim Duncan and Tim Duncan only. And that ain't entirely the case when you fully read this article. Well, and one of the big reasons why they brought in James Brago off the Spurs bench is because they wanted to refocus on player development. They have some solid young pieces in Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon and now Miles Bridges, and they want to invest quality time in developing those players. And that's what Tony is speaking to here. And he talks about Greg Popovich as well. He gives the number one priority, and it's asking him to you know, really split hairs here on as to why the Spurs were so great. But he gives a lot of praise to Timmy D. Mm-hmm. And it's impressive to see how much he respected that player that, you know, got so many championships. He believe I believe he has one more because he won in 99 before yes, Tony Parker does. got there. Mm-hmm. So Tony has the five. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Timmy has the five. Tony has four along with Manu Ginobili and that that. Uh, dynamic threesome, I guess, if you had them with the San Antonio Spurs. Tony ha- or Timmy has just one more, and he gives a lot of credit to him. But then he talks about Pop, and he talks about the development of himself. It's just interesting to see how he gives you know this portion of the success to Tim Duncan and this portion of the success to Greg Popovich, and how important they both were, as we all know, to that Spurs franchise. All right, we got it. We know how to get Spurs culture here in Charlotte. Yeah, just get Tim Duncan. Yeah, the Tim Duncan, and then maybe the best coach of all time. I would put Greg Popovich as the best coach to ever do it it's really simple folks all the hornets need a tim duncan all right Barrego. hey, hey tim duncan could still give together. us like 15 at center I, i'm convinced of that <laughs> he, uh, he, may, he probably could his game always suited an older man anyway i'm joking but there's some truth in the jest when we talk about these things like spurs culture i mean if you don't have a once in a generation player it's it's very difficult to develop a winning culture in yeah. the in the NBA. Well, and the thing he talks about Tim Duncan a lot is not only was he a great player, and he mentions that you know he asked the question, is he the greatest player? I don't know. I'll let other people talk about whether he was the greatest player ever to lace him up or not. But I'll tell you this: he was the greatest coachable player of all time. To have a guy that was going to be on limitless all first NBA teams, to have a regular season MVP under his belt to have the finals MVP under his belt, and to be that coachable where every day in practice, Tony Parker said he was competing like a guy trying to make a roster spot. It's all cliche. We all hear it all the time. 
How true is that, though, right? That you can see that in a lot of these different types of guys where Carmelo Anthony saying, me off the bench? Please. Right? Like, you see that. I'm not here to attack the ego of these NBA players. Melo, go get the bag. If you feel like that's your – I feel like you need to buy into that role, but that's just the role of these guys. That's the mindset that they have. It's special to find Tim Duncan, a player that a lot of people consider to be the best power forward of all time, and I, you know, you have the Kobe and Tim Duncan debates that I feel like no, no, most no, no, people, no, that's not a debate, right? We all go towards Timmy D. To have him be like that in practice, and for it to rub off on Tony Parker and all the other players, it's tough to find. Unbelievably tough to find. It's impossible to find, and I think we're going to once we see Pop probably ride off into the sunset in 2020. We're never going to see another culture like this small city culture like this ever again. And if Malik Monk blossoms into a star player, uh, you know, much less a a a once-in-a-generation type player, if he does that, I think you're going to be looking back on his time with Kimba Walker and now with Tony Parker, and they'll be doing write-ups about how that experience with those two types of players who are immensely coachable and work, you know, just extremely hard regardless of the circumstance of the season or the circumstance of their personal situation – that experience will be invaluable to Malik Monk. Funny to see this vision come together, right? Mitch Kupchak, the Lakers GM for so long, battling with Mm -hmm. the Spurs, but getting all the star power via free agency, whereas he's going up against these San Antonio Spurs, these pesky Spurs that just draft really well, and now Mitch trying to emulate what looks pretty much like a carbon copy, at least is what he's going for, of the Spurs culture. It's almost like there's a plan in place, Walker. It it looks like he's followed with it, and getting Tony Parker for that contract, getting James Borrego to be the head coach here, it looks like certainly he's trying to lay the groundwork. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll take another quick break. We'll come back with the 15th best Hornet, 15th best beer, Walker Mail, not a Edwards, Doug Branson here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Charlotte. How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can. wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I saw a picture of a ox or a yak or a water buffalo, one of those animals the other day, and it made me think of Doug questioning the strength of an ox. And I just thought, Doug, why in the hell did you ever even spew that take? Now, that was that might be the worst take on this show history. Like it was cut. It looked like it could destroy me with just the flick of its hoof. A yak, on the other hand, I would <laughs> never attack a yak. What about a water buffalo? It would be Is that whack. The same family. It would be a whack thing to do to right. attack a yak. Speaking of the rhyming, I kind of am in the mood for more <laughs> rhymes. One thing we need to get to immediately now with the classic court living in our nostalgia with the classic jerseys coming back let's go to a classic player perhaps i don't know the 21st best player in charlotte hornets history let's get our matt geiger fact of the day Hornets, Traded Gibbs, Kyle Lee, James Jamie, James Lego, is the new coach, 
Matt Geiger believes that Pistol Pete Maravich is the greatest player of all time. Whoa. Hot take. We need to get Matt Geiger on the show just to run him through no, the hot don't. take machine. No, just we don't. Just to run him through the hot take machine. Is that, a, is that a bad take or is that just yes. a strong take? He all Well, he hedged a little bit and said, well, it could be Pete Maravich or Michael Jordan. <laughs> so and those course, are the two, though. This was a long before time LeBron, ago. This was right. before LeBron. But at, at a time and place, he believed that Pistol Pete Maravich was the greatest player of all time. Pistol. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You guys want him on this show. I do want him on the show, like, and I want him to talk about that. Pistol Pete, my dad's favorite player of all time. Don't know if he kept up with the times, though. No. Player, Pistol Pete ahead of his time, man. Yeah, he was. He was, he, he was fun. Like, he was as flashy as anybody playing that game, and people didn't love him for it. And I feel like that was kind of one of those players that people didn't realize what they had until it was gone. R.I.P. Pistol Pete. I, I saw him play on NBA TV over the weekend. He was playing for New Orleans. Yeah. And it was it was pretty amazing. I mean, he the way he moved and shifted around the court and and took off ball screens. It was again. We're talking about context here. We're talking about different generations. Like we're black and white about, is what we're watching mm-hmm. this game in. Right, exactly. But at the same time, it looked very Steph Curry ish yeah. for its time. A movie I watched pretty much five times every single summer I went to basketball camp was The Pistol. And it was the movie of him growing up with his dad, Press Maravich, teaching him the game of basketball. Still one of my favorite movies of all time. At least you're not watching Hoosiers. I did watch Hoosiers quite a bit. I went to a basketball camp in Indiana. Not a, like, they're showing Hoosiers, and they're showing it on repeat. It's the worst sports movie ever. It's not. I get it. There are some, there are some big-time problems with Hoosiers. There are some flaws with it. It's still a decent movie. But The Pistol. The Worst pistol. sports movies of all time. That's get, an interesting I have one that a lot of people don't agree with, but I have one that I just could not L- stand. No, no. L- let's hear it. Let's hear it. It's Blue Chips. Blue Chips is an awful movie. No, Blue, Blue Chips is absolutely... I agree with you there. It's okay. not... It, it, it's it's I was more wondering for the moments. This, I was wondering how that would be accepted, but... That's an awful movie. Like I couldn't. There are times where there's just bad acting all over the place. Like I can't. I can take. I can take the Ray Allen bad acting and he got game. I don't know if I can take yeah, three at a Jays. time. Yeah, because you had the thirteens in them. Well, and and I don't know if I could take Shaq and Anthony Hardaway and whoever the guy was that his parents wanted a tractor out of Indiana. Like I don't. I don't know if I can take we all three of those at one that, time. Dude. No, we don't. I'll tell you one of the most confusing sports movies ever made was Over the Top. With Sylvester Stallone, the arm wrestling competition movie where he was also a truck driver. And the reason it was confusing because go back and watch the end of that movie and you tell me how that tournament works. No one knows. Because it's, it's at one point, it is a double elimination tournament. And then somehow the guy makes the, the uh, Sylvester Stallone's character makes the finals. It's just a very odd. It's a very odd thing. I need to go back and watch it like no, three you more don't. times. No, you don't. To figure out how the structure of that tournament works. I've never seen it, but I do know this. I have watched a couple of arm wrestling tournaments in my day, just because of the highlights that they'll occasionally show on ESPN. Some of the worst injuries I've ever seen come from arm wrestling, where these guys put so much effort into it, and then are forearm breaks. I can't watch it. No, I, there's I, some awful, awful injuries that come from that. I've written about the World Arm Wrestling League. It's something that you can actually watch. It it's one of those things like you got to be really really trained. There was this dude like two hundred pound like two hundred pound dude that ended up beating the mountain from Game of Thrones in an arm wrestling <laughs> match, and I'm, it's on YouTube. I swear, I want to no you. part of it. 
How about how about the movie Ed, which is about a chimp <laughs> that went from the team mascot to become the team's ace pitcher, and uh, he was teammates with, and the star of the movie was Matt LeBlanc. I mean, how unbelievable! Oh, that's is right. That I do know that I never seen it, but I do know about Matt LeBlanc starring in a movie. With how him. unbelievable is that? Matt LeBlanc is a leading man in a movie. That's, that's yeah. unbelievable. Let's see what yeah. you did there. Not a fan of Matt LeBlanc. He just right. didn't like Matt LeBlanc. Uh, I've never seen Ed. I've never seen whatever that other movie you just mentioned was about. Over the top. About over the top. Yes, thank you. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, giving Ed a resounding score of zero percent. All, All right. the Mighty Ducks movies, by the way, trash. All of them? Excuse me. Go back okay. and watch them again. They oh, don't hold up. That's for the a hot kids. Take. Fine for the kids. No, no, that's not true either. That's not true. They more. hold up. No. Maybe not the. Maybe you lose a little bit of hold up as you move on in the series, but Mighty Ducks holds up, man. The Mighty Ducks movies are holding up. About as well as Goldberg from the Mighty oh, Ducks. No, don't you put you, that on no. them. You do not put that on no. them. No, Mighty Ducks holds up. At least the first two. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm okay with. I'm okay with MD3, man. I'm fine with that. If you want to get rid of that one, then fine. No, no, no. But uh, 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 D3 is better than. Honestly, real talk. D3 is better than the original Mighty Ducks. Ah, uh, Mighty Ducks original one. People want to have that. I feel like there's too many hot takes surrounding me right now. Everybody just needs to understand Mighty Ducks original. Yes, let's continue to be on the same team here, though, and then understand that Doug Doug just wants to cause chaos right now. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks. uh, Doug, that is. I said that the worst take was saying that the Ox might not be that strong. Maybe that one's the worst take. No, it's absolutely the worst. Doug, congratulations. You got the other worst take of the Lockdown Horns Podcast Award. All right, let's move on. Let's go. (laughs) You're welcome. Do you want to go on to the best Charlotte beer of all time? Let's see if you can salvage yourself here with the best Charlotte beer in the history of the Queen City. He made top this the 15th best beer in charlotte history is return of hop rocks this better not be seasonal made by wooden robot it is available at various times during the year so it is not seasonal it's just available when it's available gotcha get it technicality get it while it's hot or while it's cold Tart and Hoppy, this sour ipa debuted as hop rocks at brawley's black and blue festival and created a stir among local craft drinkers, says Matt McKenzie. Never had it. Magazine. Have you ever had it? You don't know about New. it? No. Yeah, a lot of these I haven't had. I, I know. What was the last one you brought up? What was it? was the uh, the jam session, right? And did you bring that one up? No. 16 was Sistema Natravei. Oh, the Greek one. Oh, that's right. It was 17? Well, how far do we got to go back till I, I had one? Oh, boy. I, I, see, I, throw, I burn the list as soon as I, because I don't want anyone to steal it. I'm or trying to find the one that I've drank like before. That I actually like. There was one that you said here pretty recently that I was a fan of, but we'll just move on. We'll go to the best Charlotte Hornet of all time. I had some trouble with this one. I know I say this every once in a while. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's up, Nada? We, again, you're going all into this. We're at the cream of the crop, baby. No, we are. No, and, and I have no problem with the area they're in. I'm, I'm very confident in my top 20. I don't feel like any of my top 20 should be out of the top 20. But, you know, there's you're starting to get to the point where every single slot matters now when you're getting to this area. Mm-hmm. And there's, again, good players. Good players mm-hmm. here. A lot of people want to clown the Charlotte Hornets history of the players that they've had. It's the longevity that's hurt more than anything. We're getting to some pretty decent players here now. So, with that being said, the 15th best Charlotte Hornet of all time. Yeah. According to Walker Mail. Okay. His name is Jamal Mashburn. What? Yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant on this. Now, hold on. Hold on. Mash. It's, it seems low. I get it. 15. I know. I know. I get it. Please don't kill me. It seems low. Here's why I have oh. to say. 
111 games for Jamal Mashburn in Charlotte. 111. I mean, the guy played a season and a half here in the city of Charlotte. He had 40 games in that 2001-2002 season. His only all-star appearance, it came in New Orleans. He wasn't even a part of the Charlotte Hornets here. Now, we were talking about the New Orleans Hornets and how bad it felt when they left. And if you're talking skill-wise, I get it. Jamal Mashburn is one of the better ones. But to see him have that all-star appearance in New Orleans when Doug, avid Charlotte Hornet fan, said he'd even pay attention to the New Orleans Hornets, as many people did, I've got Jamal at 15. And again, if you'll bear with me, there are very good players to where maybe you're not as mad about it. But Jamal, just the season and a half, really, as far as his on-court production, I've got him 15, man. That's where he comes in. I I I didn't like it either. I am disappointed in you. I am I'm going to wait because if, depending on who we're talking about here, we're going to have a problem I guess very, so. very, very soon. I didn't like doing it as I came to this list either. I tried to create, and I if I wanted to, I could probably move Jamal Mashburn a little bit further up the list. I certainly could. But probably just, should. Just, just the season and a half here where you get, again, 116 games of, or 111, 100 something like that games really uh, of Jamal Mashburn here in Charlotte. And I don't know. I just, the longevity is what put me, uh, what put him at 15 with a couple of Hornets edging him because they've been here longer. Without, well, or here's in some other different areas. I won't go too far into see, it. See, here's where I feel like that player impact and the impact of not mm-hmm. having a player actually propels them over some of the players who have the longevity argument because I would argue to you, Pod Dad, yes. that had Jamal Mashburn been healthy in that final season in Charlotte, oh yeah, they were going to the Eastern Conference Finals. All the way, huh? What That would have been New Jersey Nets. You would have had them beating the they Nets. They would have gone to season. the Finals. So they would have, they would have the gone Nets. to the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, they would have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. No, I think they right. would have honestly think they would have beaten that Nets team. I like that. I honestly, th- I honestly think it's they tasty. would have. I think they'd have gone to the finals. They'd have lost, but I think they would have gone to the finals if Mash was healthy. So Jamal Mashburn being hurt, I get it. That that certainly the and impact. there was that mysterious disease of his that he had that year, I believe, where he was having stuff like vertigo and stuff like that. I think when you look at the impact of individual players and what they had on teams, as far as guys before Jamal Mashburn on this list. I think that you'll recognize the impact that they had with their respective teams is still great. Now, it's the longevity does hurt him a little bit because you feel like Jamal Mashburn. I, I thought I looked at that and was shocked, kind of. Like I, I thought only 140 games, only two seasons. It seems like he played so much longer because I was a huge Mashburn fan. Had a poster of him in my room. He and B Diddy. I don't want to give away your list, but I know there's one player that's on this 2001 2002 team that I know you're going to put above Mashburn, and I immediately have a problem with it. I don't want to give it away. Yeah, you do. You know exactly who it is. But I know who it is, and I'm, we're go- I just want everyone to remember this. When right. you get to that player, no, I know. because yep. I'm going to bring Mashburn back up, I'm a little biased. I have a Mashburn jersey you love Mashburn. framed in my Wait a home minute. studio. I just I just thought about it, too. I think I know who it is. No, yeah, I, I'm, I have a problem with you, this already. So now we're getting to the point where you're Lee able Nailin. to— yeah, Lee Nalon. I love me some Lee Nalon back in the day, to be honest with you. Nalon. He was fun. I, I will say this about Mash. 
I don't have a problem with him being top fifteen. I do think he needs to be top twelve, though. That well, that and that's that's the problem, that's, right? I mean, that's where I. I, no, think I don't think he, anybody's saying he should be sixteen or below. I think no, everybody wants I do, him to be higher. I do think he needs to be in that top twelve. If you're fielding a team of all time greatest Hornets, he's got to be on the roster. You he haven't. You haven't done McGlory yet, have you? <laughs> I have not done so, McGlory. Uh, so that means that, that he's might. <laughs> oh, you. Th- oh, okay. Well, I don't. Okay, yeah. We should stop talking about it because yeah. I don't want to give anything away. So you you found another one then that you might think. Oh boy, he says, okay. We need to stop. Is that what you're saying? That you brought this up. This is the snowball effect where That's you started saying, rolling it, to, and now you just rolled it down. Yeah, the hill. like I, I already think I'm going to have a problem with this. Yeah. All right. I'm we'll, with Doug on this all one. right. We will move on. We'll just end the show here today and let you guys ponder on what possibly could be coming up next. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll talk to you again on Thursday.